This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Come on for picture, first positions, everyone. Yo, go. And action! Hello and welcome to episode 381 of the Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Giles Alderson and this is a podcast on how you make films, basically. Uh, This is a special episode today because we have on Dana Kippel. She is the director, the exec producer, writer and star of micro-budget indie film Reflect. She joined me to chat all about how she did it, how she got out there herself as she raised the money and did what we all say we want to do is go out there and make your film. She did just that. She talks about what she learnt making Reflect. She talks about addiction and mental health and why she wanted to direct. Why having a beginner's mind is sometimes really, really useful. How she wrote the movie Reflect in two weeks and crowdfunded and raised finance. Not just that way, but also through LinkedIn. She dives into giving direction to fellow actors when you're also acting in it and why she rushed the edit and release of the film. And we also talk about why you should be kind to yourself as a filmmaker. Dana is an established actress and recently she has starred in Hellhounds, which has just come out as well. Um, Basically both her movies that she's starring in, one that she's directing are releasing now. They're out now. You can watch them. Hellhounds and Reflect. Reflect. The story follows Summer, um, played by Dana, who's unhappy with a boyfriend. Uh, she then receives a mysterious email inviting her out to a spiritual obstacle course. She gathers her four friends, each battling a dilemma of their own. They drive to the Sedona Desert, where they're promised this vortex will improve their lives. And the movie stars Grace Patterson, Jade Lynn Breer, Marissa Patterson, Ariana Williams, Corey Brooks, Eric Scott Woods, Dash Katz, Maya Nell, Ryan Jack Connell and Joe Filippone. And the film's distributor is Cranked Up Films. So this is a real soup to nuts version of how you can go out there and make your film on a micro budget on pretty much nothing and go make it, get it distributed and get it out there in the world and then go on to make your next film, which is exactly what Dana is doing next. Thank you all so much for your love for Tuesday's episode with the amazing Matthew Vaughan. Um, our guy is out now in cinemas, do go watch. Uh, obviously, he's the producer slash director of Kick-Ass, Kingsman, Snatch, Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, Tetris, Rocketman, etc. list goes on. And your outpouring of love for that episode because Matthew was so honest and candid about... He feels he's still making indie films too, which is correct because he's raising the money himself and pays, paying for, for it through his company. 
and therefore he could talk to us as a filmmaker who understood what it was like in the trenches so if you haven't listened to that do go listen to the amazing Matthew Vaughan after you've listened to this episode with Dana as well but appreciate all your love and comments and support and I've written some of your names down and I will give you shout outs very soon (laughs) coming up on Tuesday it's very likely to be the beekeeper um, Dom's chat with David Eyre yeah the director and writer of Suicide Squad um, Harsh Times End of Watch you know that kind of stuff um, he'll be with you on Tuesday chat with Dom so that's going to be another another cool episode I imagine I haven't edited that one yet but anyway don't forget lovely independent filmmakers that you are that you if you're quick and lucky and there's still any left can get the Shotlister app for free Right now, it's worth $99. The Shotlist app is a brilliant app, um, which means you don't have to write your shotlist on paper. You can draw them on there. They're saved on there. Then you can look at them on set and move things around. You can move your schedule around and everything on there. It's an amazing app. And you, because you're listening to the Filmmakers Podcast, can get this for free. The link to that is in the show notes, or you can go to shotlist.com to get on it now don't wait just literally click the link go to the show notes and look at it and click the link and get it before it runs out because there is only 99 of them available i don't know how many there's left now um right i had such a great time chatting with dana we we've been trying to do it for a little while um but we have done it and really enjoyed each other's company chatting about filmmaking and how you can do it and the trials and tribulations and everything that goes into it Dana is wonderfully honest which makes this a fantastic listen for you so here it is this is me Charles Alderson chatting to Dana Kippel how are you I'm good how are you it's nice to meet you yes you I know yeah you too I'm good just stressed trying to market my first film it is so stressful (laughs) I, I know I know it's really difficult, isn't it? Especially when you feel like you're on your own. It's like you're you're just trying to push stuff out, and you're worried you're just being in people's faces a lot. And but you have to because if you don't put it out there, no one knows about it. So. Yes, I'm I'm messaging all my friends from high school, from from when I lived in Florida, everyone I know, and I'm I know I'm being so annoying, and I like part of me thinks everyone hates me, and part of me is like whatever, just keep doing it. <laughs> Absolutely, it's uh, the way I see it is when people do it to you. Yeah. Right, when they've got a film out, I'm not mm-hmm. bothered. I don't mind the press stuff all the time. The no. same as someone's got a crowdfunder. I yes. felt horrible when I was doing a crowdfunder going, hey, guys, can I have some money? But actually, when people do it to you, you don't mind at all. No. So it's just getting in that mindset, which is tough. Yeah. 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 Are you coping? Um, am I coping? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I'm just very stressed. I think I feel overwhelmed. Um, I think what I have to do so... I just like in my diary wrote like a marketing plan to do every day because Mm -hmm. I've basically been in circles, just like responding to this person on there, posting on here, messaging everyone on this and this. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm going to block out time. And then because I haven't had time to relax and I'm getting sick and I'm going to Sunday. So I can't be sick. No. And that is the thing, isn't it? It's that mental health side of it that we that's been great in the last couple of years that we've been talking about it but it's true the burnout is a killer it's really difficult releasing a film it's really tough Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't got a big team behind you doing it and they're telling you where to go and what to do yeah it's no one it's just you Mm -hmm. and most of the time it is that even if you do have a big studio behind you or a big distribution company you've still got to do it yourself there's yeah people rely too heavily on 
yes. other people doing stuff, and yes. no one does. I it's knew not to do that. <laughs> good, good. You learnt. You learnt the hard way in the, in, the, yeah. in a good way because you've yeah. you've, made, you've directed before, right? You made another film called Crave. Is that? Oh, not... that was like a. Sh- so I actually made that after this. Um, ah. That was a short film that I co-directed with my friend, but it was really his vision. I just helped him because he hadn't directed. I but see. that's that's okay. more his thing. Right. So this was your debut. Reflect yes. is your debut, and you've not directed anything. A sh- anything so you're not directed a short before well okay so i'll tell you a secret and i'm fine telling people this but the want to hear a story (laughs) short that's on my imdb that's a terrible short um my boyfriend directed that but he let me say like i was co-director just so like investors thought i directed something yeah no but that's fine it's it's playing the game right this is an industry where you have to play the game and you don't want Mm -hmm. your investors to look you up and go well you've directed nothing at least you can say well i've directed that but it's not finished yet (laughs) yeah it is it's playing the game yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's that was I but right. besides that all I did was listen to like podcasts like yours. Mm-hmm. I watched master classes, I read books and then I just did it. See that's, yeah. that's it's kind of the thing I've been saying, you know, on the podcast and saying for a while is and that's why I love your story. Yeah. Is because you're just like, Oh well, I'm just gonna go do it. I'm gonna yes. do it. What's been the most looking back now and we're diving straight in. But oh, yeah, what, has, what has been the sort of the thing you've learnt the most? Like the th- oh, is there something that's way bigger than everything else? <laughs> um, so, many <laughs> so many things. So many. Yeah, but I think like uh, if I had to distill it down, like a number one thing, like, and it's such a multi-dimensional statement, but be yourself. Um, mm. Like, love yourself, be yourself, listen to yourself. This is your vision. You're the only expert at your vision. Everyone's going to try to change you. Everyone's going to have an opinion. People are going to tell you you can't do things. Like, just if you trust and believe that you're the one to shepherd your vision, like, you don't need anyone else's belief. You really. So that was that was the biggest guiding light for me because I had so much going against me. Um, yeah, that was the thing I've learned to yeah. be myself and not try to be like anyone else to not. Mm-hmm feel shame that I'm not like anyone else to not be upset that I didn't do a specific genre. Like people told me to like, I need, I need to take the, I need to trust the universe and my path and follow my heart. And I don't know where that's going to end up, but I rather do that than doing like a specific thing that yes, success might come, but it's not living my truth. I love that. Yeah. That's so (laughs) cool because we can get bogged down in, Woulda, shoulda, coulda. I could have made this. So I should have made it more horror. Should have made it more sci-fi. Mm-hmm. All this that all the distributors probably said, well, we don't know how to market it. Or where should we put it? And you go, no, I, I made the film <laughs> I wanted to make. Yes, right? And I did. that is important. You're proud of it. And you, at the end of it, you mm-hmm. go, look, this is what we've made. This yeah. is it. And yeah. And that's so great that you're saying, be you, you know, don't lose sight of that. No. That's, yeah, that's really important. Well, let's, yeah. you know, right, reflect. I really enjoyed yes. it. I thought, oh, thanks. you know, for a debut movie, with everything yes. around it, that aside, <clears throat> I thought yeah. it was really interesting. I thought Thank it was really you. fascinating, you know, the thanks. spiritual journey of enlightenment yes. and friendship and the yes. things that can go wrong in life. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I was like, fair play. This is really cool. It's thanks. a really, really well-made film. Thanks. What? Let's talk about the journey then from the beginning mm-hmm. was when did the idea for you to, cause you're an actress, you're doing very mm-hmm. well as an actress. When was the idea Thanks. for you to, to direct? What was that moment? Was mm-hmm. there a moment? Where did it come from? 
Yeah. So I almost went to film school when I was 20, but I ended up going to rehab instead. So I think this is like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the is, same thing in some ways. <laughs> yeah. And well, the thing is, instead of getting my film degree, I got my depth degree. So I learned yeah. a lot about myself and mental uh -huh. health and life and had mm -hmm. a lot of experiences after that. Anyway, mm. it was a dream I've always had ever since I was a kid to make stories, to act to be famous. I just didn't know how it would all happen. Now it's more about saving the world. I'm just being honest that that's what I used to think. Um, yeah. Until I realized, you know. <laughs> yeah. But how I love that. The honesty is the fact that you're saying, you know, that's what you wanted to be famous. And yeah. now you're saying. Now it's not. It, it's so funny. Like the more and more I get into this, the least and least, like the less and less I want that. And the more and more I just want a platform to share my metaphysical ideas, but the uh, nothing to do with fame. I just want my beliefs out there and I want to help people not feel alone. And I want to help people connect with themselves and love this beautiful planet we're on. And, um, you know, I'm always going to say like, don't follow anything I say, but like, if, if something resonates, go for it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. but always listen to yourself first. I'm not going to be one of those crazy metaphysical leaders who's like, listen to everything I say, <laughs> do this, but sorry, I get crazy no. back to film. Yes. So what I so I was acting in LA. I came yep. here when I was thirty. I was in mental health for ten years before that. Oh, you were working was, in mental health. Yes. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and then because of what you were going through, you put yourself to rehab. Yes. That was the moment you went right. I need to go to rehab and change. So so when I was a teenager, I had very bad mental health and substance abuse issues. I went to rehab mm -hmm. at twenty one. And then 16 and 21. And then when I was 21, I really did turn my life around ever since I haven't struggled with addiction, which is amazing. Um, th and then through that, I wanted to help other people. So I got into the field of addiction and mental health. I was working and helping people. And after nine years, I realized I'm only helping people that have health insurance. This is corrupt. <laughs> like mm. I, every field has a dark side. And I was like, this isn't doing it for me. I'm not helping the amount of people I want to help. This is BS. And I was like, I can help people for cheap making movies. Like, yes, it's more stressful on me, but someone could afford a $3 movie and learn all these things I want to say, and I can reach more people. So with my ideas on the world. So um, yeah, when I came here and I was an actress, I didn't have much agency over my career and I'm a control freak. So I was like, I'm going to be a director writer. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, what control, happened. Control your own destiny, right? I mean, yeah. in a way, when I was acting, it wasn't my main reason for becoming <laughs> a director. But as soon as I did, it was like, oh, I can control the narrative. Mm -hmm. And it was originally to put myself in stuff and then I realized I love directing and producing and making stuff more than acting and just same. transitioned but that was the reason the same thing I was like it's a control freak in us that made me go okay mm -hmm. th the way to control it is to write produce direct <clears throat> stuff yourself you can then put yourself in stuff right that makes total sense Yes. And I can make more complex female characters, more complex mm -hmm. male character, not mm -hmm. just about female male characters too. Like there's just a certain depth that was missing from the scripts I was reading. And there's amazing scripts out there, but as a starting out actress, you're not reading those. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting off of those. Yeah. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you're, yes. Where did, um, <laughs> 
okay, so you're that moment was was there a moment where you you found mm-hmm. that you're in LA, you've got this work coming, there's bits, but as a jobbing mm-hmm. actor, it's f- few and far between. Or suddenly there's a rush, and you think, right, that's it, this is the one that's going to get me, and then it doesn't come out for two years, and <laughs> you're mm-hmm. in that place. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific moment when you said? Right, this is it. I'm going to write and direct this one and this yes. idea of Reflect. Yeah, yes. Go on. So, nothing to do with the movie I was filming. I was filming a movie called Hellhounds, which actually came out the same day as my film. I know. Isn't that... Yeah. I, I read that. That was amazing. How funny. <laughs> yeah, and very very nice director. I love uh, Robert Conway. But mm-hmm. when I was doing that film, and he'll get this, it was nothing about his film. I was in all night shoots, and I was extremely depressed. And we were shooting long hours, and I was just acting. And something in me was just like, I don't know, like I wanted, I, I you know, I would have to wait when I would come to set because I was just the actress. And something in me was like, I like I was having fun watching them film it. And something in me was like. I want to be like controlling the set and I want to be making the stories and maybe I'll act in some, but like I just found myself gravitating to the other side of stuff and the storytelling. So I was very depressed because I hadn't seen like the sunlight in days. And I went to Sedona to get a little mental health break after shooting. Mm -hmm. And I just figured out there, like I'm going to write and direct a movie and I'm going to film it in Sedona. Just like this revelation came over me. And then it, it all snowballed. Like literally I went home, um, talked to this one director who was like, yeah, make a movie about girls going on a trip. I was like, yes, Sedona. And then it all snowballed. And then it happened. I'm I literally filmed the movie three months later. Like it happened that fast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it needs that. It needs that kick up the arse. Because yeah. a lot of people talk about making movies. A lot of people say, hey, I'm going to go make a movie. Mm-hmm. But very little people go and go make one after three months of deciding that. Because yeah. usually, because it's money, uh, yeah. difficulties <clears throat> of getting cast people together. There's so many for problems, issues. Yeah. I, I, I think it's amazing you went and did that in three months. How did you go about it then? Mm-hmm. How did you do it? How mm-hmm. Talk us from the very beginning of you going, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. to actually being on set. How, talk us through that whole prep process, getting the team mm-hmm. together. Yeah, so I think the number one thing, which it was, because now I'm making my second film in Gannett going, I've lost this and I have to get back to it. I had beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like I approached everything in almost like an ignorant way to where like <laughs> I just thought I was doing it. And I didn't, I did doubt it a lot, but I uh, I didn't take that as reality. I just, yeah, I just knew it was happening. It was that simple. So I wrote the script in like August, September. Mm -hmm. I maybe did two edits on the script, barely edited it. I was just like, oh, this is good. I'm going to make this. And then um, it felt like my truth. So no matter how good or bad the structuring was, I was like, it feels true. And that's uh, all I care about is truth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like entertaining people, hopefully that'll be figured out later. But I care about truth. So I did that, and then I was like, okay, I need to get, um, like, a crew together. I need to get – and okay, what do I need for a crew? I need to get money. So I was like, okay, money first. Uh, I watched a bunch of master classes about film. I read the book Story while I was writing my mm-hmm. script. I have some books here, so I'm just looking at them. Um, I also was reading The Heroine's Journey, which was a yep. feminine story structure. That inspired my script a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when I was crowdfunding, I read The Energy of Money – which really helped me get in the mindset of not limiting beliefs. So I think like the best thing for directors to do is read books kind of on like breaking your limiting beliefs um, about mm. that you can't raise money and can't do yeah. those things. So yeah, I made a crowdfund and I didn't 
I did not even worry about like who will make fun of me or who won't want to donate. I was like, I just was delusional. I was like, people are going to donate to this. They're going to support it. This is great. Like, I can't wait to make this film. <laughs> um, just ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I made the crowd fund for like $20,000 or something like that. And then mm-hmm. we got the funding in like a month. Um, and you know, I did do a lot of work. I messaged people on like LinkedIn for uh, 10 hours a day, eight hours a day. I was messaging people constantly. I was facing rejection constantly. I pushed past that. Like the biggest thing was just, I kept going, um, with all the doubts in my head, um, Mm -hmm. that I did have like with some stuff, not with raising money though, for some reason. And then, um, once I got the money, that's all I had. And I was able to at least like secure crew and cast with that. But I didn't have so we needed 50,000 a shoot. And I didn't know where the rest of the money was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to remember how this happened. So as I was securing cast and crew and and I was my own line producer. So I kind of I once again, I don't know how I did this, but I was just like, okay, I definitely will need a first AC to pull focus and I'll need a cinematographer. I'll need one grip and gaffer, maybe two PAs, um, which will be like me and Ryan, who was my boyfriend at the time and producing it with me and uh, my partner in this. And uh, I'll have someone donate all the camera equipment who I named my executive producer. So I'll get that all for free and give them exec producer credit. Um, and then I'll pull favors. I'll lie to Sedona and tell them that I have a crew of 10 instead of, 15 and mm-hmm. it's $150 a day for a permit, all these things. I, I'm very good at math and I think I'm I'm a bit neurodivergent. So I'm very, I get very obsessive. So yeah, anyway, I made that all. And then I went out to crew and cast. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, this and is then, amazing. How did you know to do that? How did you know that, you know, to line produce and set a budget? Was it, was it just from experience of being on set and asking questions? And like you say, reading books and listening to podcasts? It was a mix of all that, but it literally just came natural to me. Like, mm. I can line produce all day, and I have never done it professionally, but because I want to do it for my own stuff, but <laughs> maybe because I need money now, I'll do it for other people. <laughs> yes. yeah. But time, time is more important than money to me. Um, but yes. yeah, I just, I don't, I can't explain it. It was like channeled. I just did it, and the numbers all worked. The days of shooting all worked. The amount I like down to the hour i'm very intuitive i did like 15 minute increments or how long things would take to shoot and it just all worked we got the shooting done every day like i could show you my this journal i made this Mm -hmm. is like how i made the um film just so you can see i don't even know what this is but i would like you know there's like scene number uh so for our listeners so you've yeah um, this oh sorry so for our listeners yeah, Dana's got a page, locations needed, and she's written down the side, um, numbers, and then which locations there are. Okay, cool. Yeah. And on the other yeah. side, shot lists, by the looks of it, what shots you'd need. Yeah, and then what state we're filming in, like, specifics. Like, I, I just broke it down to everything. And then shooting, like, eight, uh, you know, how many days we would need to shoot in each location. Um, yeah, each scene, how long it would take uh, for the day. And then a lot of our scenes were outside and didn't need lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but the funny thing is I didn't take into account lighting. So I would have mm. got screwed on that. Um, if we were filming inside, cause then the times wouldn't have came out, but anyway, everything just worked. 
Yeah. I don't know how I did this. Um, <laughs> that beginner's luck, like you say, that beginner's <clears throat> thing of sometimes just going, it'll work. Well, I think it'll be this long, so it'll be this long. And yeah. Sometimes it is because once you set a date, a time, a thing, yeah. it becomes real. A, a yes. DP or cinematographer might come and say, <clears throat> ah, actually, this is probably going to take long because or it'd be better to shoot this when the sun goes down or yeah. that location's moved to the afternoon. All that good stuff. But your mm -hmm. intuition, I feel mm -hmm. as a director, as mm -hmm. a filmmaker, is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And you went with that. And it's kind of yeah. lovely to see. You know, yes. so many filmmakers say this, that their first one, first directing gig, mm -hmm. where they were the most free. Because mm -hmm. they just, they just went, they don't know. They don't know what's right or wrong. They're just chucking it out and saying, well, this is what I want to do. And tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. But mm -hmm. if no one tells you, you just do it. Yeah, it's yeah. only later you start getting bogged down in, oh, trying to make things better or trying to repeat or trying to... <laughs> it's just constantly trying to recreate that first moment of magic when it just, just happened. <laughs> it was magic. And I hope I can... This actually talk is like motivating me to like rewire how I'm approaching my my film that I'm working on now. Because, mm. yeah, I was so focused. Like I didn't do anything else but this for three months. I was so... Like this was my reality... Mm -hmm. I was delusional and it worked and it I was worked. in a, yeah. 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 I was in a state of magic. I was reading beautiful books on like philosophy and mm -hmm. the divine feminine and money energetics and <laughs> it was just a really magical time. Post production was not as magical, but shooting was magical and Mm. Um, well, we'll get yeah. to that. So tell me yeah. about the, the the other 30 grand that you had to raise. How yes, did you yes, go yes. about that? So this is magic too. So I literally made on LinkedIn. I have a bit of a following. I love LinkedIn. I tell everyone they should get investors off there. Mm. Um, I also read books about like how to speak to investors. So I posted on LinkedIn mm -hmm. that I'm making a film. This is my directorial debut. It's about women and mental health, spirituality. I literally get a message from a guy that goes, this guy, Michael O. And he goes, I invest in films like this. He was like, give me your number. Let me call you. I would love to help. We talk on the phone. I'm not joking. For 15 minutes, he wires me $30,000. Holy. And it was real. It was not a wow. scam. And it could have been like looking back, but it was. I met. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met him met and his wife. Of people who were, you know, yes. a lot of people saying, yeah, hey, I'd love yes, to meet yes. you. I'd love to. Uh, really eggy and yes. awkward. Did you, yeah. what did you offer in return? So I think I was like confused at the time, I think. So he was like, well, he's very smart. He's a businessman too. He was like, all right, so I'm the only investor, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, so I'll have 100% of the investor's equity. And I was like, yeah. And I mean, he got that, but mm -hmm. that's like, that was his incentive that he wanted to be the only investor. So if the film does well, he'll get all that back. Of course, like I figured out later down the road, I needed more money, but then I just had to like, you know, I'll talk about that after, but mm -hmm. That's how it happened. That's what he got. A hundred percent of the investors pool, um, yep. you know, and then, you know, we get the other half of that for the producers pool. Yeah. After so, and, and, after, so the people who don't know, once it's made its money back, the full hundred percent that mm -hmm. this investor will get, then after mm -hmm. that, it then gets split. Normally investors get 50% of whatever's yeah. after that. And yeah. The producer pool is the other 50. It doesn't have to yeah. work like that, but it's usual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he would get his 30 grand back. He'll get his money back first. When he's all paid up, then we'll split it 50-50. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But did so you that... not have your, um, sorry to interrupt you, but did you also not yeah. have your uh, your business crowd... plan? 
Grizzly's man, but also the crowdfunder、uh. people. Did you have like T-shirts or、mm-hmm. DVDs or things that cost money as well to give back, or were you just literally asking for money on your crowdfunder? No, I didn't give anything back. I told people、okay. I'd write them poems, and I wrote them poems because I I talked to <laughs> a、free. lot of friends. Poems、yeah. are free, right? Yeah. Whereas DVDs and T-shirts are not free. Yes. Yeah, I cannot do. I mean, I was good at.、Um, I talked to a lot of my friends. Actually, do you know、uh, Chloe? She produced the Last Rite.、Um, yes, Chloe's amazing. Chloe Chittasama.、So, yeah, yeah. So I love her. She's the one I talked to before making my film, distributing my film, and she was ahead of me with her. So she gave me so much. Amazing advice about what not to do.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,、oh, so、like、she's、that. the best. But、she's、anyway, amazing,、yes. yeah.、Um, what was I saying? Oh, crowdfund. Oh, investor. So anyway, we had the fifty thousand a shoot,、mm-hmm. and that was once again magic and intuition, which is a common theme in this. Obviously,、mm-hmm. it's not always all logic. And then the other fifty thousand that it ended up being in post production and deliverables was me and Ryan put in money that we made from the state from COVID, and then I got、wow. some donations from mental health rehabs. Wow! So the total budget came to about hundred grand. Yeah.、End. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. And but you because you I say that's really interesting, isn't it? That that、mm-hmm. investor for the thirty k was getting a hundred percent back of the whole budget. Yeah, and that's where、mm-hmm. it gets tricky, right?、Mm-hmm. I can see your hand on your face now, going, "Yes, I've learned. <laughs> I've learned," which is a good thing, right? It's not a good、yeah. thing, but it's good that it, they were probably cool about it, and everyone was like, "Okay, don't worry."、Mm-hmm. And as long as you're honest, I think、yes. in this industry, and say, "Look, I might have made a mistake here, but is there a way we can make this work?" He would、okay. have done it. Yeah, he would have done it, and I think that's what he's an amazing guy. There you go, there you go, and I,、mm-hmm. I think it's where people come into problems is where they deny that they've made a mistake or they've done it wrong, or、yeah. that they got the numbers wrong. They're incorrect. Someone else's <clears throat> fault. It's like this business、mm-hmm. is constantly full of other people's faults, and actually sometimes it's like, yeah, hold our hands up. We're new at this. Don't know. We've just. We need some money, and yeah, this is how we wanted to work it. Yeah, and and it, like I say, you learn, and you go, okay, how do we do、mm-hmm. it better next time? And you hope those people come on the journey with you next time. Yes,、right? yes, I made、yeah. a lot of mistakes on this film. Like I didn't、mm-hmm. even like this film when it first came out. I I love it now, I really do. But like I was so hard on myself. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about like,、mm-hmm. right. You raise the money. You've done it. You've done all this amazing prep. You've written all、mm-hmm. your notes. You've talked to your DP, and、yeah. maybe we'll come. The, I'm sure there'll be problems along the way in terms、mm-hmm. of locations and shooting all that kind of. St- you know, there's a lot of time in the desert. There's a lot of bits and pieces for you to shoot. Yeah, your directing process then, because not only、mm-hmm. you're directing, producing, written it, but you're also in it and in it a lot. You're the lead role. I would、yeah. say. So, how did you manage that? You're、shaking your head now. It's so much chaos. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'll literally probably won't. I, I won't never act in my own film again. But like, I just want, I love directing so much that I want to be able to really like shepherd the next story、mm. I do. It was too stressful. So like, how did I deal with that?、Um, the way the things where I feel like I fell short where was I was in the scenes most of the time. So I felt like I couldn't. Direct the actors to the best of my ability. Like if I wanted to redo something or try things a different way, I was not able to be an observer in those moments.、Mm-hmm. So you know, I feel like I would be a better director in the future if I was just directing and not acting in the scene with them because I wasn't、mm-hmm. able to be as like objective. Yep,、um, I felt exactly the same way after I made my first short、yeah. as a director, and I was in it,、mm-hmm. and I. Hated it, and I just vowed、yeah. I'm not going to do it again. I just didn't like it until you know I'm not Ben Affleck or you know、um, <laughs> Bradley Cooper. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, the, and plus they've got the team and the money around them. You know, yes, we haven't. It's kind of. Ah, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate myself. Yeah. So I get no what you same. Were yeah. 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 But how did you manage it? Like, say you, you were probably mm-hmm. in the scenes going, "Oh gosh, I got to think about this or that." Or, you know, mm-hmm. should we get a close up? Should I do this? And therefore, it takes you out of the scene, I suppose, in some way. Yeah. So I did do like crazy manic prep to where I knew everything we were shooting, mm-hmm. and like I just knew the timing was going to work. That never bothered me. The things that bothered me was it was thirty degrees. It was the middle of winter when no one else was there. It was freezing in Sedona that year. Um. I think what also scared me was like worrying if the girls were okay. It was really hard to emotionally check in with everyone every day, the girls and the crew, where I was also trying to like keep myself together, worrying about and like, you know, there were times where I had to change the shot list because it rained one day outside. We had to change a whole scene. So, yeah, I just felt like my biggest worry was like I wasn't enough of like an emotional, emotional support for everyone. Um and then when I was in the scene, I was pr- I was okay at being in it as an actor. But the two last scenes where I'm very emotional at the end of the movie, I had to go back and shoot those. So we actually filmed a completely different scene that was emotional, and I butchered it. It was a disgusting disaster, horribly acted. Took it out of the movie, rewrote the movie, went back and filmed it myself with a small crew four months later. <laughs> but do you know what? Sometimes that... It, it, it's, it's, they say it's like you 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 write your film three times when you're writing it when you're on set and then in the edit mm-hmm. and yeah. so when you look at something in the edit you go oh my mm-hmm. god what was I doing oh my god and especially there you can go oh well do you know what I'm in charge here I'm yeah. going to go and reshoot that bit I'm not happy and yeah. that, that's did you do any other pickups at the same time or was it just that end bit we did some b-roll pickups but yeah. that's it yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, I love that process in the edit. People, I feel, especially mm-hmm. when you're starting, I did. I was so scared. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, no, this has to be perfect. This first edit I'm handing in, anyone sees, has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. It has to make some sort of sense and be mm-hmm. a film. But mm-hmm. that's the point where you can magically pull things and change and put ADR in and reshoot yeah. a little bit, change the yes. ending. Of course yes. you can. All films do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. But, I was gonna say I know that now, but you should have mm. seen me when I saw the assembly cut for my editor. Oh, no. I was this close to like, and I don't want to be morbid here, but like jumping off a balcony. I was like, I need to quit this. I mm-hmm. need to disappear. I was like, this is trash mm-hmm. because I didn't know how bad assembly cuts are. Like, I I just because I had never made a film, so I was like, what the shit is this? And then thank God I was like, oh no, like you know, we sculpt it, and it you know all turned out. You know, there's still issues I think with it, but. It all turned out way better than I thought it was a, a complete disaster. I thought my life was over. Yep. Yeah. I think most <laughs> filmmakers do. I think every, like, who was he saying this the other day? Scorsese was saying exactly mm-hmm. that. He hates yeah. the assembly cut. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. You feel like a fraud and you can't make films anymore. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we all feel the same way. We all feel exactly that. But yeah. you've got to push through it. And it's great that you did because now, look, yeah. you know, you've released a film that's excellent and, you you, you know, you're already thinking Thanks. about your next one. Yes. And that's important. OK, so what on set, that was an issue uh, or not mm-hmm. an issue, but you managed to overcome it in some way. I certainly think so. You seem to get the coverage. You seem to get, mm-hmm. you know, you told the story because uh, yeah. you prepped it with an inch of its life. What other issues did you feel you had on set? Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot. So, like, well, one of the things was, like, I had this, like, view. I was like, I'm going to be, like, 
Terrence Malick, this movie will look like his, and I'm going to make it so dreamy, and I want it to be like a painting, so there's very maximum depth, and everything looks like a painting, and it's going to be still, and then, like, I don't know, I should, I wish I, we had a steady cam. is basically what I'm saying, because, like, the right. way I decided to shoot the film, I don't regret it, but, like, it, it, now as a director, I would have been way more intimate about how I shot it. I still think it was all, like... Okay, um, where's my diary again? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I have to bring something up. Unless it's missing. What? Where did, did I put it? Did you put it on the bed? Did you throw it behind you? I don't know. Okay, well, I'll just tell you. So when I was making my film, I had this whole, like, I had this whole philosophy of go starting with far away from the girls. And if, mm -hmm. like, some girls on the right side, some girls on the left side, it means different things. Like, the I think the left side was like more feminine. The right side was more masculine. The middle meant they're like innocent. I had we started with like um, thirty four millimeter, like fifty. Uh, it's millimeter, right? That's how you say mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty millimeter shots, and then once they get into the desert, it went from eighteen to sixteen to fourteen, and then all of the hooded figures were supposed to be filmed in twelve millimeter, wow. and then we would get closer to the girls as the movie goes on, so you feel like it's like opening up. Mm -hmm. I don't think friggin' anyone noticed any of these things, and I felt like I stuck very rigid to that, and it didn't let me be as free. My point is, I wish I was more intuitive about the filmmaking when I was there, which I'm going to do in my next film. So that was a problem I had. Okay, but <laughs> but. You had a vision, and I think that is one yeah. of the most important things as yeah. a director slash yeah. filmmaker. Is if you've got to stick to your vision. If you start changing halfway through, then it becomes yeah. wishy-washy. You had a vision, right. and you told it, and it actually, now you've described that to me, I've gone, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, now I see it. Because people mm -hmm. probably won't mention it because you sucked them into the film. You sucked them mm -hmm. into the story. And therefore, why would they mention it? By the end, you've got these lovely close-ups or this 12 millimeter where it's distorted and really interesting. Yeah. And now you've described to me, I've gone, oh, yeah. I remember doing the same on the dare and no one ever mentioned it. Every single like yeah. scene had a different camera angle, had a different mm. voice or different point of view. Every single one. And I remember my DP, Andy Roger, I was like, oh, I've got to change it. I feel like we're sticking. He went, no, stick to the plan. You thought yeah. about this. It's correct. And I think yes. you're at the same day and you, you're... You you were correct. We can yeah. always look back and go, yeah, I might not. I didn't need to be so rigid. Sure, but yeah, no, I think you're right. Actually, I think yeah. you're right. I think here, you know, what was the biggest problem? Not ragging on anyone because this was actually our first DP that did this, who ended up firing, um, mm -hmm. but not our second DP. But he wasn't listening to me about the ang the camera lenses. So I would be acting in it and then I would come out and I saw that he changed the depth or he oh. changed the lens because it looked better. And I was like, this is my freaking movie. So mm -hmm. I fired him. Mm -hmm. And um, I also learned that was an issue on set. I learned like, you don't have to be a bitch. You can do it with grace, but you also need to have boundaries as a director. You can't be a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And if you hear if someone's, you know, thinking they don't know what you're doing or not supporting your vision, they need to go, even yeah. if you're in the middle of the shoot. So that's something I learned. That was an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think, think well, that was it. It, it, but, but it's been 
like you say there it's just being bold and if you're clashing with someone a hod that's really important to you and your film especially if you're acting in it you're trusting them and you're saying well this is the sh- shot i want please can you yeah. do that for me and then they change yeah. it without telling you that's just not on it's just not how to do it if they think theirs is better they should talk to you about it and say can i show you these two <laughs> options yeah right and i know you're probably up against it with time and all that kind of stuff so yeah. look, you, it's your visions your at the end of the day it's like cool you've got to go if you're not going to stick with what i want to do Absolutely. Yes. It's your eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Yes. Uh, The tone and the colours as well. Let's talk about the palette and what you did, because I I felt it had this... I felt there was specific colours that you had in there. Obviously, there's a lot of yellow and blue with the Uh desert and the sky, but also then Mm -hmm. there was the white and the red with what they were wearing, I suppose. But also, I felt that you had this... You'd thought about that. Uh, So, yeah, maybe talk about that whole process. Yeah. um, mm -hmm. I was reading a lot of books about the Divine Feminine... Mary Magdalene mythology and white and red is a very, I'm not even going to say what it is because it's inappropriate, but it's like, it has to do with magic and alchemy and it symbolizes like bodily fluids, but it, but it has to also do with like, um, the, the divine feminine and, and, uh, here, you know what I could say? It's like mother's milk and blood. I think it was, but there's a lot of like undertones and magical mythical undertones. And it's about women awakening, coming into their divine feminine, so it just felt like the symbol symbolism was there for that. Mm. And like they're kind of dressed in white, very innocent. I didn't want a movie about like pretty attractive girls. I wanted a movie where like they basically were wearing things that didn't distract you too much yes. and that it doesn't matter what angles we're doing on the face. It's about the emotion, not about how they look. Yep. That was yeah. extremely important to me. And then the colors, when they got to the desert, they get more vivid. I love vivid colors and sensory things and metaphysical filmmaking. And I just wanted things to pop like where, you know, like we're sensing things more than we usually do. Um, So that was kind of my thing behind color theory. And then, yeah, I mean, that was it with the white and the red. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of like uh, Hermes. He was dressed as the tarot card uh, Mm -hmm. guy. Um, And Hermes is also an interdimensional traveler. Uh, in yes. mythology. So yeah, it seemed like you put so much thought and effort into it and it, it yeah. sort of spooled out onto the screen, mm-hmm. in my opinion. This wasn't just something where people had just gone to a desert and gone, okay, well, let's make a film. It felt really thought mm-hmm. about and really considered and it, it felt like yes. you worked really hard on the movie. You could feel I did. It. <laughs> I worked harder than it looks, I even feel like. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go through my diary because I just found it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to read if I had any. I should have done this before we spoke. But if I had any other notes. Oh, 
So I have something that I wrote down, which was like the vibe of the movie. I'm just going to read out words Please, to you. Please, yeah, read out words. There's a lot of words on the page for our listeners here. Right yeah, here. so this is director vibe. Yeah. Empowering, heart guides me, realizer, good vibes, vibrational, rest, ancient wisdom, higher self, goddess, timeless, uh, listen to myself, discovery, meditation, um, breathing rest i don't know i was just writing like <laughs> words i think the film was meant to be like more of a subconscious cellular thing and the more you watch it the more you discover and you know this was more like a mystery school than a film i get not it's not for everyone but yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. well were you using some of those words there to talk to your actors like you know when you weren't in the scene specifically maybe the scenes you know um uh uh, well, the character I've forgotten his name. Sorry, like we're, we're, like the ones without me. Yeah, the like with without... all the other girls. Yeah, we're not with yeah, the, yeah, there are a lot the of girls, names. but also the sorry the boys as well. The two um, felt like father um, and son, but they they probably weren't. I can cut. Oh God, I don't even remember the names of the characters. Uh, yeah. Beale and his dad. Yeah, exactly. Beale and his dad. For those ones, uh, and with the girls in the scenes you weren't in, how did you talk to the actors? Because it can feel strange mm-hmm. when you're on the same page like when you're acting in the scenes as well you know Mm -hmm. they are your peers it's very hard to sometimes you know pull a performance if you're not happy or change something what did you do that actually is a difficult thing and I probably won't work with friends as much like I mean we'll become friends through shooting but Mm -hmm. um and obviously at now though having better like boundaries and discernment I would be okay saying all these things that I actually didn't say in this shoot but like I was scared to give people redirections, um, mm. particularly my boyfriend. I was nervous to give him redirections um, yeah. where I wouldn't be nervous now. Uh, but but I think I have a very gentle way of doing it. So, like, if I didn't like a performance as far as, like, for, for what I – for my vision – I would say to them, like, that was great. Can we try it this way? Like, mm. just something simple like that. Like, oh, great. Even if I, you know, don't think it, it is great. But if it's not my vision, I'll just, I like to give people other emotions to try. So I'll be like, okay, now do it angrier, do it uh, more sad. Or sometimes I'll get very metaphysical and I'm like, you know, you're, you're five years old. You're talking to your younger self. What are you saying? Like, I, I like to be very simple. So I'll keep mm. it to just a few words. Yeah, I don't like to be because I can get on tangents, as you can tell. I don't like to do that to the actors. Well, we can get bogged down. I think sometimes we can over direct as directors and um, yes. we start going, oh, let's have a, a huge conversation about something. And actually the actors yeah, know because no. you're an actor. So therefore yeah. you go, yeah, uh, when directors start doing it, you go, yeah, that doesn't really help me with no. the scene. So it's great that you come at it from that angle. Sometimes yes. you've just got to be direct as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially big directors they don't often direct you know Ridley mm-hmm. Scott very rarely says anything to the actors you know very, I don't either right and sometimes it's their performance so you've already talked about it in rehearsals or you've done the blocking sometimes mm-hmm. it's one word it could be yes you know, yes uh, think demeaning or it could be anything yes or you know be flirtier or whatever it is it's something tiny that just makes them go oh yeah Rather than beat by beat by beat, which can get mm-hmm. their brain bogged down, they look like they're acting rather than just being an emotional in the scene. So, yes, it's always a tricky, tricky thing. Very tricky. In terms of lenses, then, in terms of 
yes with your cameraman and uh, and a woman and interestingly about when you had to remove them from set did that mean that the camera went and how did you talk to them generally i suppose there's two questions in one sorry uh, yeah, it all worked out. I got really lucky because the camera equipment was free from my executive producer, who was also on set. So it wasn't the DPs. Right. OK, fine. OK. Yeah. Good. And then the lenses were actually brought in by our sound guy. So <laughs> thanks to him. So we got all, you know, I think he did have some lenses, but we weren't really using them a lot. So, yeah. And, you know, I have, I really do have a big heart. So, like, I even felt bad letting him go. But, like, I just couldn't keep someone on set that was, you know, saying mean things about me, trying to change my vision. Like, mm. you know, I don't know. I had to trust the people that told me that that was happening. Besides that, there was zero drama, though. So it was like the smallest blip. But what, did you have another question or did I answer it? Yeah, no, you answered that one. And stupidly, I put two in one. But the What's second the question <laughs> was, how do yeah. you talk to your camera team? How do you know mm. about lenses being an actor? I didn't. It took me eight. You know, yeah. My first thing that I directed I had no idea I was kind mm -hmm. of just going well I want it to look a bit closer or further away and I had to learn now <clears throat> what a 35 yeah. millimeter is mm -hmm. or 50 or 75 and what the difference that does yes. to the image and why it's saying something different each lens says something differently how, how yeah. did you get around that how did you feel like you knew what you were talking about because it can feel daunting mm -hmm. I'm very visual like I'm way better at expressing through visuals than through me talking I guess and I knew I had like a, a same thing an intuition for lenses I didn't know anything about them I knew what I wanted it to be like so to I tried to look up their language and I just looked up the lenses I googled what different lenses looked like in different um millimeters and then I mm -hmm. looked up about some different lenses like before we shot and then I was able like I shot listed the whole thing with lenses so wow. unfortunately this wasn't like really the DP's vision is more like they were more of a camera person which is and then and and then they did also give their advice on things like Bernie Tarrant was great but as far as like the actual cinematography and the lenses like that was all I shot listed the entire thing knowing I was doing that like next film I'm definitely excited to collaborate with the DP before the film because mm -hmm. I did not get that experience like how this film worked because I was like desperate for people I met you know DP number one who I won't name mm -hmm. I don't even think he read the script he pretended he did wow. he was like let's go shoot this he, he said he would do it for cheap so I hired him we went to shoot it things fell apart I got Bernie on he thank god I had made like basically a DP shot list and then he yeah. just shepherded my film he also had some great ideas and did a good job yeah there you go. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that. I love that, that you Googled it and worked it out yourself and went, well, this mm -hmm. feels right to me. Yeah, and that's great. And then when you get a, a DP like Bernie come on board to go, yeah, that's great. But could yeah. we try this? Can I suggest? He would ask me. Yes. Right. And he also read the script. I think he was I think he was on as a PA or like. What? A gaffer. I don't remember what I hired him as, but I might have been a PM. Not even joking. And he actually was a DP, and he offered to do it. It was like meant to be. That's a so he was already on set. Yes. Yes. Oh, perfect. So you'd already had the conversation saying that I want rid of him. He said, "Well, actually, I can, I can DP." I yeah. love it. And you went, yes, this is happening. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he read the script and actually could talk to me about it. And as a PA, I was very impressed he he did that. 
Mm. And I love that you, in a way, took a chance because it's yeah. it's actually really brave <laughs> to remove someone from a film set. It's actually really yeah. traumatic and hard, and it oh comes my God, with yes. so much baggage. And you feel like your whole world is collapsing, and are people going to be on your side or not? And actually, at the end of the day, it, it's all about the film. We forget yes. that sometimes, and it's the vision yes. and getting that across. And we yes. do have to remember if it's not working, it's not working for a reason, and yes. we need to depart for whatever reason. It's not this project we're working on together. So well done. It's you know it's, it is difficult. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So that was set pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to post, and you looked at the edit, and you said, "Okay, I'm not happy, but I'm going to do pickups of of certain bits." But how did mm-hmm. you find the whole edit process? You know, being the first time coming into something mm-hmm. like that. I feel like once again, I completely messed that up too. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, my poor editor, like he was also having twins at the time and like he did it for a discount. Like he did not have like a full time to do this. Mm -hmm. I completely get that. Um, I was always bothering him to just finish it quicker and quicker, which everyone wants done. He just could not do that. And it makes sense why I was not paying him to work full time. No, is this Caden? uh, no, so those are the, that's the one. Uh, Kate and Marissa picked it up after this guy when he had twins. This is Spencer. Spencer, right? Okay. Right. Yes, and he's a great editor. Um, he literally just did not have the time and bandwidth for what I was paying him, and with okay. his twins coming, so he got it to where it needed to be. And then I had my friends Kate and Marissa kind of add like flair to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah. like we just had a different dynamic, me and Kate and Marissa, because they're like my close friends, and I can just like bully them a little bit more. Where Spencer, you know, I was paying him, but not that much. I didn't know him that well. So I was like, I was honestly like, I wish I spoke up more because I think I was nervous sometimes to say things. Um, But I mean, not in like, you know, he wouldn't know. It's all about communication. But he's a great editor. And he he was like a wizard with uh, Adobe or whatever. He was a Premiere Pro. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, my biggest fault in editing was that I rushed the edit because I just wanted to screen my movie for people. So I made the screening date in September. And I was like, I made my own stupid, like, end date. I was like, I have to get it done. And I'm rushing all these people on post. And then, like, there's so much more finessing I could have done. But because Mm -hmm. I wanted it done by this time, that's, like, what happened. It's kind of funny. (laughs) I I totally hear that because so many people rush it. They they, Honestly, they go, I've got a film and I want to show people because people are asking them. You know, Mm -hmm. it it can take, yeah, you know, The Dare, my first movie, took three years from principle to it actually coming out. And Mm -hmm. that whole time, you know, if anyone asked me, I felt like a failure. I felt like, I, you know, one day, you know, it felt like it'll never come out. So, that whole time I got, I want to show something. Please let me show something. Please let me. So I hear it all the time from first That's time. That's what directors. I did. Yeah. They go, I need to screen this. I need to show people. I'm going to cut a trailer. I'm going to just relax. I regret relax. it so much. Everyone regrets it when they rush it. Everyone. Why because... didn't I do a screening when the movie came out? Like, exactly. What was I thinking? Then people will go, that was great. Rather than doing it, everyone goes, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is it. Because people don't think you're going to change it. People just think yeah. that's the end product. And yeah. I say you get three chances with this, with your filmmaking, with anyone. The first time you mm-hmm. show them anything, which is usually mm-hmm. the trailer. The mm-hmm. second time is when you show them the and The third time is when it comes out. Yeah. That's it. After that, you've you're just rehashing the same stuff again mm-hmm. if you drop stuff too early people think they've seen it especially if you drop something a year before it comes out people i've go, done that there you go right and it doesn't work because people can't click the button to buy it 
they and they'll only do it once. They'll only look at it once. They won't look at. Oh, I've seen that trailer. Oh, I'm not bothered. Yeah. No, so, everyone's so over me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking about this for th- two years. They're like, "Oh, we saw this last year." I'm like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You haven't seen it. You saw a bit of it, and it's new, and we've changed it." Yeah. yeah no, people by then have gone. Yeah, but I've seen it, and I didn't really like it because because you haven't finished <laughs> it. There was no finesse. Yeah. There was no music or score or. There was no sound bed or, you know, the mm-hmm. VFX. There's all these things missing, you know? That- well, oh, sorry. Hey, I was going to say, yeah. the funny thing is, I did, so I raced to finish it. Like, yeah. for me, it was the finished film. So, like, people right. saw it, but it wasn't. So, what I did was I made a screening. And I will say, like, I was, like... I was being tact- tactful, tactical, like yeah. that, the the buzz of that, I think helped me get a distribution deal. So like I invited, you know, right. industry people, a bunch of people. And then, you know, I had a couple offers on my film, nothing like crazy, but I think it was meant to be that way, but it's still, I would never, ever do that again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> be- did you then, after you rushed to finish mm-hmm. it, did you then change it? No. Right. Okay. That's the film. That's why I look at it and I I cringe because there's like just for me as a filmmaker, like I know I could have done way better. Like I could have finessed it so much more. It still came out how it's meant to be and everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I thought you you showed it too early, but we're still in the edit of VFX. No, you rushed. See, that's the thing. Why do you think you rushed? Oh, I can tell you right now because I wasn't as far along in therapy as I am now. I had... Yeah, I was a little bit desperate. I was impatient. I I was anxious attachment disordered. I was Mm -hmm. needing validation, approval. I was needing, wanting friends, wanting people to like me, wanting people to see that I did something. Just so many things outside validation that I could care literally almost less about now. Like, all I care about now is, like, what the fans of the movies think and what like the fans though, the supporters and what I think that's all I care about. I, I will take everyone's opinion for sure. And I think there's a lot of people way smarter than me, but the only person that needs to validate me is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And so, right. And interestingly yeah. for your next film, mm-hmm. what I've found as well is people don't often watch your back mm-hmm. catalog. You know, oh, so good. They, they don't often go, oh, well, I must watch the whole film. They'll watch the trailer. They'll okay. look at they'll look at the new film, what you're presenting mm-hmm. them, and your vision for the new film, and then judge it on that. And then maybe later they'll, mm. you know, they, they, you hook them in on, I did this. It was, we made it for whatever, and I just, yeah, yeah, my yeah. Dad told me, I've done it, I've done it. What I really like in anyone is the fact that mm-hmm. they've got off their ass and done it. I've worked mm-hmm. with, as a producer, I've worked with directors, you know, who are second time directors, but the first one yeah. they're not proud of. They, they just did it. They made it for whatever. It's yeah. in their bedroom, however they did it. But for me, it meant mm-hmm. that they went through the whole process. Yeah. As a producer going through it with a first time director, like you're saying now, all those things I did, the things that as a producer, you have to keep going, no, that's not how it works. No, that's not how it works. So if someone's done it, they go, yeah, you know. I, I say, you don't have to say those things. It's yes. really fascinating. You learn so much after making your first movie. Yes, so I've much. grown up. You've grown up. You've grown up. And now it means you can take all that, all yeah. the stuff you learn, and put it into your next film. And therefore, you can talk to yeah. your investors, your crew, yes. your cast, based on yes. those facts. And yes. that's what's so important is, you know, get out there and make your first one. And then, yeah, then you can keep making films. If you don't make your first yeah. one, you, yeah. you're not making films. 
Um, no. What? What? Um, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. And we're only human. We're gonna. We're gonna mess up. We're gonna make mistakes. We're yes. Yeah. Gonna not like ourselves. It doesn't mean we're not worthy of making another film. It doesn't mean we're not worthy of money. It doesn't mean we're not worthy of people liking us. All of those things. We're artists. This is art. Investors yes. are taking risks. They're very aware of that. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, most investors put money into films because they like pe the people involved in that film and they mm -hmm. want to take a little risk and tell people, yeah. hey, I put some money into a film. And if it's any yeah. good, they look great. If it's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. That's why you yeah. always try and find H&I's, high net worth individuals who do yes. have a lot of money. Yes. Uh, and therefore it's just a, you know, it's a holiday for them or something. That's they're yeah. the investors you want to find, not someone who this is their last, you know, 10 grand. No. Um, on that then in terms of deliverables mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the deliverables oh. yeah right this is the thing a lot of filmmakers when they're starting don't understand they don't get the deliverable side how important it is to take stills and how important it oh, is mm -hmm. to get you know inf all that kind of stuff you need to mm -hmm. my god the list goes on in terms of what mm -hmm. you need let alone talking about working with a distributor or a sales mm -hmm. agent and working yeah. out all those contract goodies oh god <laughs> oh god you, yeah how, what happened because you like you say you feel like you're rush to get your film ready and then you got cranked mm -hmm. up films as your distributors or one of them how then yeah. did you all the deliverables list that came did you just did you just look at it and go what 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 do you want me to do how did you approach that yes yes so this is the part where I do excel even though I am impatient like I'm a New Yorker I used to have a food business I'm good at business mm -hmm. I looked over the contracts I worked with Rommel Law they're a great law firm they got me great deals um I talked to Chloe and a bunch of other people who worked with certain distributors, what their deliverables were before my film was shot, I think. So I knew like what to do, what to have. Um, when I got the deliverables, I was very overwhelmed, but me and Ryan just did it one brick at a time. We got it done in two months and we, you know, used 10,000 more dollars of ours to do that. So, but I knew that it would cost around that, mm -hmm. like after speaking to people. So anyway, I was prepared for deliverables and you know, between me and Ryan, we're, we're pretty smart. He's good with technology. I'm good with numbers and business. So it just, it all worked. Mm. Everything, it was actually like, it wasn't terrible, but it was just annoying that we had to spend more money on that. I know some distributors will give you some money for that. Ours didn't. Um, mm. And then as far as the contracts go, yes, I used a good lawyer. I also knew to ask for like a lower term length. I knew that like a 70-30 split was better than a 65-35 I didn't want a minimum guarantee, I did, but I didn't, I knew my film wasn't really worth one anyway. I don't have names in it or anything. I didn't have a certain genre. And then I capped the marketing budget, I think at like 10 or 15K. Right. That I know that's smart to do. Yeah. You know, just things I, I just knew to do certain things. And when I got, um, I don't know if I should say the company, when a couple other companies offered me deals that weren't like that and like one of the companies wanted me to pay them to distribute, what? I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I've never heard that one. Yeah. Wow. They were like, five, I wish I could say the company, but they were like, give us $5,000 and we'll distribute their, your film. I was like, no. I was like, I have offers for zero and they're going to give me something. They're like, oh, well, then we'll do that. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, now it's too late. Now I don't trust you in any way, shape, or form. No, no just for filmmakers, mm -hmm. they never pay money for a distributor to put your film out. That's mm -mm. insane. They're already going to mm -mm. take money up front. Um, and, and, you know, some distributors out there are really good. There's There are some. Yes. And you've got to yes. find them. But there's so many sites now that will help you there's yeah. facebook sites for distributing for yes, filmmakers yes. that will you know there's lists of 
people who've been burnt by distributors. What I yes. say, and it's great that you'd already learnt this really on, and you and Ryan mm-hmm. seem very switched on and clever. It's yeah. most filmmakers go, oh, I'm giving it to a sales and distributors. They're gonna, they know what they're doing. They're gonna help me make my film. But most of them yeah. are a business, and if they've yes. got a, like a marketing spend of ten, fifteen grand, well, the first ten, fifteen grand that comes in is theirs. Anything after that, they have to split with you. So they're not going to work as hard for it. I mean, it's just business sense. So as long as you're savvy yeah. and understand that world, then you can negotiate mm-hmm. the contracts. It sounds like you, you, you did it really well. Yeah. The number one rule I've learned in negotiating is if they leave the deal excited and you don't, you have lost. <laughs> and if you leave the deal and they're just like, okay, you've gotten the better deal. And if you're both happy, then that's really exciting. But why are they so happy? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You also a good deed was great. Yes. That's great. That's good to know. And it's that, it yeah. is that fine balance of just not, people say they got ripped off or burned, but it's just it's just understanding it. It's understanding it's business. They're not ripping you off. They're just going, oh, well, if they don't understand it, I'm going to put this in the clause. Any businessman yeah. does this in any walk of life. So you've just mm-hmm. got to be clever and go, okay, just don't go into it blind. Um, no. Excellent. Excellent. What about um, in terms of like now and promoting the movie? Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. found that? What's worked for you? What hasn't? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll know more, obviously, in a couple months, but you're the first interview I've had since my film has came out. Mm -hmm. So what I think this spiritual crowd loves our film. People who just want to see like action horror movies hate us. The critics like for those kind of movies are meanies. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. That's just a reflection of what they think about themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Just whatever someone says reflects what they think about themselves. Because the guy wrote like, oh, it doesn't have much depth. I was like, get the frick out of here. There's so much depth. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the one thing. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. You said um, reflect there because obviously it's called reflect as well. And people need to reflect on their actions. I also feel that there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. And this is something yes. I've learned is and it's still so hard even now, even when I'm looking back yes. at something or I need a quote for some film I've made or whatever. I know. And you see the shit reviews and you just go, oh, and it hurts. I know. Yeah. Yes, it does. It, kills you. it, it makes me a little yeah, depressed. Yeah, it makes you depressed every time. Then you just, I, ha- I like take, sometimes I take an hour and just go, oh, God, that hurts. Stop it. Stop it. Don't look at it anymore. Stop, stop. Because it just gets you. It yeah. doesn't matter how many good ones you read. It doesn't matter. You just focus yeah, on the, the bad, bad ones. ones. You don't believe the good ones, weirdly. I, I don't believe them. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, they're, they're obviously lying. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, I've tricked yes, them. I've tricked them into thinking <laughs> this is good. It's weird. It's so weird. Such a weird place. Yeah. Um, what, what have you yeah. found that worked for you, though, in terms of your promotion of the film? Yes, sorry. Sorry. Yes. So my back, I did, you know, when I worked in mental health, I also worked in social media marketing. Mm -hmm. So I know my, the one thing I do know is my audience. So I had $0 to market, which is another mistake I made. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not, you know, fundraise for marketing funds, but um, I know, you know, I've been posting on Instagram every day. So has the distribution company, but I don't just post for all of us just posting that does not work. I go in and I message targeted spiritual people. So I'll look at a spiritual influencer and I'll troll their followers and I'll message all of them. I try to message 30 people per day on each platform because more than that, and I'll just go crazy. Mm -hmm. So on LinkedIn, I'll message 30 of my followers a day because my followers like mental health and spirituality. I'll message the Instagram people. And then on Facebook, I'll message people from my hometown. And then I'll go on Facebook groups and message people into spiritual groups. So uh, anyway, I've done all that. Obviously, podcasts still counts as marketing. Yep, um, I try to get on metaphysical podcasts. I think I have a few coming out. 
uh, psychology podcast. I, I literally, I know how to reach my audience. I wish I had the money to do it. Cause you know, I know. Yeah. The one thing I know is my audience, and I know there is, there has been such a climb in spirituality and people feeling alone through COVID and discovering spirituality and psychology and metaphysics. And the entertainment industry has left them completely in the dust. Like maybe like Brit, Brit Marlene's one of the only people that I know that caters to those kind of people. Yes. And I'm, would love to be in her presence one day. She's influenced me. And then also like Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead. Oh, I love they're indie. Yeah. Yeah. They catered to the crowd, but, but a huge, like not a lot of people cater to this crowd and there's millions of them. So like, I just hope that I can prove that I can reach those people. Yeah. And you will. Yeah. And does that mean your next film as well is going down the spiritual mental health route as well? Yes. So, so it, based on mm. my learnings, it is a mm. character piece on one woman who deals <laughs> with grief. All I can say is she deals with, it's a sci-fi plot about how she deals with grief and loss and has a spiritual awakening through that. There's a lot more to it, but it's a more contained story. It's, um, it, it has even more depth. It also is nonlinear. There's a lot of cool stuff in it that's as much as i can say yeah but. yeah no that's <laughs> exciting and you even sound yeah. excited talking about it so yeah oh it, it, to... yeah no this is like okay so i made reflect to make this film so i had written okay. this script right before i uh, wrote reflect and before i shot that movie just wrote the script i didn't know what i was going to do with it just because i like channeled it or whatever and uh, it's the first script i've ever written so i'm so ex and i made that movie first so i could make this film at a bigger budget Love it exactly. That's sometimes yeah. the way it is. The, the what yeah. the scripts we like the best doesn't mean we make that we've written doesn't mean we're making that now. Yeah, it might be 10, 20 next year. Who knows? Yeah, but sometimes we've just got to think. Okay, I love this one, but uh, this is a tough one to make. So it might be my next or my next. Yeah, but that's great. It means that now you're in a, a really cool place. Yeah, exciting, very exciting indeed. I can't wait yeah. to see it. I can't wait to hear yeah. how you get on. And listen, really good luck with Reflect as well. Um, yes, finally. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you've given us so much, but that little mm -hmm. bit of advice for someone who's about to go through what you did on Reflect, mm -hmm. um, something that you go, ah, yeah, I wish I'd done, I wish I'd done. <clears throat> um, I'll say three things. I'll Please. steal this from Lewis Howe's podcast because he says, like, he has three questions or says, like, I can never just say one thing. Um, <laughs> three things. Number one. I would have been more kind to myself throughout the process. Mm -hmm. I'm very hard on myself. <sighs> Number two, I'm trying to think of things I haven't said already in this talk. Mm -hmm. Number two, I would have checked in with my crew and cast more after filming. Mm -hmm. um, and number three, I would, I mean, I already said this, but this is so important. I, I wouldn't have necessarily taken more time in post, but I would have been more detail oriented, more patient within that time frame. I would have spoken up more, just like been more patient within the time constraints of post, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. That is. And can I speak really quick just on one thing in metaphysical film that I want to say? Yeah. Um, Just like my goal, because I just want to put it out there. So like, my goal is to create a new genre in film, which is metaphysical film, which is like, you know, the movie Arrival or Waking Life, philosophical mm -hmm. films kind of. Um, and my next step 
in, in within my next film will be to gear myself more towards optimistic futurism and sustainable filmmaking. So like where I'm going in my career is to make sure that I'm doing green filmmaking, which is being more sustainable and helping our planet. Because yeah. if I'm going to make movies to try to save our planet, I need to be doing it behind the scenes. And I think it's also yes. so important to have a filmmaking team that uh, exudes love and light and is you can be kind to people on set. You never need to be me no matter how high up you are. And those are just things I want to put out there. And I think that we're making new genres right now and there's new ways to finance movies and there's all this new coming in. So if anyone's coming into this and your way is different, go with that. Like just follow the dark, the dark, path follow the yellow brick road and follow the void because you're gonna bring new things into this world you couldn't yeah. put it better um and it's so important that you've said that as well people feel afraid or people yeah. try and pigeonhole you as a filmmaker yeah. make a horror make this and you go well no mine's yeah. a bit different actually mine isn't mm -hmm. that and if there's an audience there's an audience and that's mm -hmm. all that matters mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. congratulations to you. Um, I'm very Thanks. proud of you. I loved your story. I love what Thanks. you've done. I really Thanks. enjoyed the film and what you've achieved. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do next because that's Thank the exciting you. time. Um, uh, so, so for those of you listening, you can go do what Dana has done. You can go out and make your film for very little money. You can yeah. raise money on a Kickstarter. You can get your friends in. You can... Get yes. the support, the people around you. You can raise money on LinkedIn and wherever else. And if you're lucky enough yes. to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. Dana Kipple, thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye. <laughs>